Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We preview film productions and events in our region, and we speak with creative entrepreneurs as Erie carves out its part in the wider industry landscape. My name is Erica Berlin. I'm the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm Jesse Olszewski, filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. And this week we're going to preview Knives Out playing this Wednesday at Film Grain. And our guest is Bill Kern, owner of Bastion Studios, and we'll be speaking to him a little bit later. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. Events take place at Bourbon Barrel at 1213 State Street in downtown Erie, Pennsylvania. The series features a big screen, upgraded sound, couch and table seating, and table service all night long. Dinner and dessert are buffet style and included with your admission. Vegetarian options every week, gluten-free on request. We've also just added assistive listening devices, which are also available on request. This Wednesday is Knives Out. Knives Out. Knives Out. And from what I hear, it's a super fun whodunit murder mystery movie. It is a very fun murder mystery. Have you seen it? I've seen it twice. Oh my gosh. The second time, it was maybe even better than the first. I'm looking forward to the third. It's that enjoyable. I know it has an all-star cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nurse, she's kind of at the center of the whole Is it the whole Jamie movie. Lee Curtis? No, that's the... That's, that's the, the mom? That, that's the... Do- well, she's the eldest daughter. I see. So the patriarch of the family. Mm-hmm. Is, is gone and so they all have to they all react and there's a there's a handsome uh, southern detective that shows up played by Daniel Craig and he's uh, and charming don't forget Chris Evans Chris Evans is very good looking as well yeah it's a very good looking cast <laughs> the probably one of the most charming uh, features of this movie is that the the lead actress she can't lie she has a physical response to lying she vomits and it's the most disgusting thing. That sounds like it would be very convenient for a murder mystery. Exactly. she's like a human lie detector. She, well, she's unable to lie. She can, Other people can lie mm. around her, but she can't so lie. So you don't want to tell her any secrets. You don't want to tell her a secret, and she is not very good at keeping them. So much fun. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait. Pre-sales for Knives Out are available through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. And now we're going to welcome our guest, Bill Kern. Hello, Bill. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Hey, Bill. Hey. We're going to get to know you a little bit more. Are you an Erie native? Yeah. Um, grew up in Erie, well, in Fairview. Um, I was born at Hammett, so haven't uh, spent too. too much time away from the nest. Okay. <laughs> and what would, okay. You, uh, what would you call yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there are so many levels to that. I guess... Uh, I'm a person. <laughs> okay. Good start. Good start. Yeah. A male person. I'm a male person. Um, I am attempting this life of an entrepreneur. I'm also a woodworker and a musician, and that's most of the stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should start today and work backwards. Normally, we go through someone's oh, life story idea. from like birth until today, but let's start today and go back. So. Today we're sitting here. Where did you come from? So I came from uh, Bastion Studios, which is my community-driven gym for artists. Um, gym for artists? Yeah. That's it, a great tagline. We, we provide the space and equipment and uh, expertise, and people can come and use whatever they need. So 
I just was at your studio last week mm-hmm. for the opening, but uh, tell everyone about it. It's brand new, just opened. Brand new. Uh, so we opened up in late October, but we just had our grand opening two weeks ago. Or was it one week ago? I don't even remember. It all rolls together nowadays. But the opening was phenomenal. We had like two to 300 people roll through throughout the day. We sold 25 pieces of art. Um, it was a big gallery opening, so we had 28 artists uh, and over 140 pieces up for sale. So I think we did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on a gallery night? No, it was actually the day after gallery yeah, night. Yeah, it was a Saturday. Yeah, we yeah. tried really hard to make it on time for gallery night, but it didn't no. okay. work. Okay, well talk about the space. Talk about the building you're in. Yeah, so the building um, was built in 1856 to 1876. There's some debate on uh, the actual year there. But, uh, but it's old. It's old, and it was originally um, a private residence for the Illig family. It was Daniel Illig, I believe, and his wife, and they had like 14 kids. And it's three floors, so like the third floor, they had in-home servants that like lived there. And then they lived on the first and second floor. Wow. So we've converted all of this space into artistic space. The first floor is a art gallery. The second floor is a music recording studio. And the third floor is an art studio. And then there's a garage with a wood shop and a metal shop. That building has gone through a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. When you bought it, what condition was it in? I bought it in 2016. And the first floor looked a lot like an office building in the 70s. There was paneling on all the walls. Um, one of the rooms had like this rust orange carpet with all drop ceilings with fluorescent lighting. Yeah, you would have no idea that it had any character at all. Um, doorways were blocked up. The front door that's really big and grand was blocked up. Um, so we did a lot of work there. The second floor looks exactly how it does now, just sort of like offices. And the third floor looked like no one had set foot in it in 60 years. Wow. So there was holes in the walls and the ceiling, and there was no electricity and um, no running water up there. That floor required the most construction work. The first floor required the most demo and, like, restoration work, and we didn't do anything to the second floor. It was good enough for what we needed it to be. Mm -hmm. After touring around, I would say, yeah, it's probably good for what you're using it for. It's Mm -hmm. a podcast studio, um, music recording studio. You have, like, a a quiet box in there. Mm -hmm. Is that what you call it? A voice an isolation booth. An isolation booth. That's the technical term, yeah. Um, it can or, use a or, yeah, pain, yeah, you know, when someone's bad, you can send them That's there. right. Right. I mean, you can't hear their screams. <laughs> That's so. right. <laughs> so wait, what, like, possessed you to buy a building in that condition? Uh, n- poor judgment, mostly. <laughs> so uh, here, the story behind that is I drove by this building every day on my way to work for five years me too and then I saw a for sale sign and I was like I just kind of want to see because it's a cool building on the outside so I go in and look around and out of nowhere the wheels start turning about this business idea like I had never thought of this before so so seeing the building came first right and then you thought Mm -hmm. I'm just curious oh but actually but actually what can I do with this so I start looking at the things that I like to do and I had a little wood shop in my basement. Basically, I had like plateaued in my talents as a woodworker. So I, I had already thought about finding a space where I could take my wood shop out, make it a little bigger, get out of my house where I'm not as distracted. Um, so I thought that the garage there would be perfect for that. But I obviously 
would have all this extra space. What do I do with it? Well, other people probably have the same problem, and let's uh, explore that. But they wanted way too much money for it, so I was like, pass. Fast forward a year, uh, they cut the price in half, and I went back and looked at it again, and this idea had really come into itself over that uh, year. So when I went back in there, it was like, yeah, we can definitely make this work. Wow. And do you have friends that were rooting for you all along saying, hey, you get that building, I'm going to move in too? Yeah. So a lot of those people ghosted me after the fact. But um, <laughs> I do have, um, I'm not doing this alone. This isn't a solo venture. I've got a business partner, Grant Sauer. He has been there the whole way, helping me do all the demo, do all the build out. He's there right now holding down the fort. Nice. And did you do most of it yourself? No. Um, we did a lot of the demo ourselves, but a lot of that stuff is outside of my realm of expertise, and I don't have the time for that. So we did hire some uh, a local guy. Good. Mm-hmm. Leave it to the experts. Exactly. They um, did a ton of ton of work. It just has been taking a really long time. Yeah, it was incredible. The first floor is a formal home that is, you know, 150 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's just incredible to think that those spaces were just hidden behind walls and drop ceilings. I mean, when you walk in, the ceiling, the molding on the ceiling and the, what do you call the, the molded area around where the chandelier would hang down? I don't know what the technical term for that is. Centerpiece, just like the, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's got to be a name for that, but I'm yeah. not sure what it is. Incredible. But though. they're actually in good shape, which is nice. Yeah, and just the the exposed brick now in in the archways and mm-hmm. oh my gosh I just was blown away and with the art in there it really makes it feel like a welcoming warm space that's truly authentic I mean mm-hmm. it's certainly uh, a work in progress I'm guessing it's not really going to stay so shabby as the years goes on right yeah we have a long list of projects um, we got it to a point where we were happy opening and we'll just do some things ongoing for the next couple of years until we get it like pristine, but that's going to be a while still. So what about the um, artists that you're currently showing? Where did they come from? So uh, two of them are members, uh, which is awesome. But the rest, I just put out a flyer on Facebook and Instagram asking for artists, and a lot of them reached out to me. I reached out to some people that I really liked independently and uh, just made it all come together. What does a normal day for an artist, if they're a member, look like when they come in? What kinds of things can they do and what do they have access to? So, yeah, um, the nice thing about the membership is it's all inclusive. So one membership fee gets you access to everything that we provide. And that is um, a wood shop, a metal shop. There's a ceramics, um, well, the makings of a ceramic studio. There's a pottery wheel and a kiln. There's a drawing and painting studios. And those have drafting tables that are height adjustable and easels and drawing horses. Um, Then the music recording studio, that's got a live band room where you can get your band together to practice or to record a live set. Then there's a control room that has all the outboard gear and it, it's also set up for a band to kind of mess around in there, um, come up with concepts. And then there's a vocal booth and all of this pumps into the main control room, but the vocal booth has its own recording setup as well. So if you're there late at night, you don't have to run all the way down the hall. You can just pop out and use that. Then there's a little podcast room, um, I'm sure I'm missing something. We have stained glass equipment. Uh, we're looking into getting glass blowing equipment. Um, there's a, a wow. forge and, a, and an anvil for blacksmithing. There's all sorts of stuff. Where did you get all of this? Mostly Craigslist. 
Wow. Yeah, I've been I've been trolling Craigslist and the Facebook marketplace for the last couple of years, just slowly gathering as much of this as I could uh, get my hands on. Wow. Okay, so you're a musician mm -hmm. and you're a woodworker. Mm -hmm. So tell everyone what hangs on the walls in Bastion Studios. Yeah, so I really like to meld those two things together. And I'm a guitar builder, also known as a luthier. Um, so I've made uh, three that are hanging there for sale. Um, one of them is uh, just a copy of a PRS, and then one of them is in the shape of a peace sign, and one of them is in the shape of an eagle. Incredible. They're incredible. Worth the visit just to see those. Yeah, they're and, and they're all playable. And yeah, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> Truly works of you art. You can pull them really. down and jam on them. Yeah, they're all electric, um, so I've got a little amp sitting right next to them that you can plug in and, and see how they sound. So have you ever sold one? No, I haven't. Um, I don't think I'm to a point yet where I'm comfortable selling them. I have price tags on them if somebody wants to buy them, but I'm not pushing it yet. I still need to get a fair amount of practice in. So are you holding off because you want to have a totally playable, you want to feel very confident that it's beautiful and playable, or what? what what's holding you back? Uh, the biggest thing holding me back is um, the price tag that you have to charge for something like that. Like, I don't feel right charging somebody three grand for a guitar that is going to be worse than something they could buy for 500 bucks at World of Music. So if they really want to, they, they can, but I'm not pushing it or really taking commissions yet or anything. Sure. Mm -hmm. What is the draw then? You get like a custom look or sound when you do it that way? Uh, for most people, it's the custom look and it's like the bragging rights that somebody hand built it as mm. opposed to buying a Gibson that everybody else has. Gotcha. You're a guitar maker, woodworker. Mm -hmm. Where were you going to work when you were passing that building every day? Oh, I, I work at um, Curtsy Food Service. Okay. We're a broadline food distributor here in Erie and I'm in the IT department. So you still have a day job? I do. Um, I'm there part-time now, so I'm only putting in between like 16 to 22 hours a week usually because mm -hmm. um, then I have to go to the Bastion and be there for when we're open but they've been very flexible with me there which is nice slowly you'll just be spending more time at bastion mm -hmm. less time at curtsy mm -hmm. yeah but the nice thing about the it department is um i can work remote and it's not that big of a deal because i can just log in and um, have access to everything that i would in the in the building anyway how long have you been with curtsy and how long have you been working in it well that's a complicated question uh, Curtsy is my family's business, so I've been with them since high school. Um, started there working night shift loading trucks and then moved into sales and customer service and then through pretty much every other department. Um, and I moved into IT about two and a half or three years ago. They're a pretty big company locally, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're not just local. We have... Um, a branch in Cleveland, a branch in Rochester, New York, and a branch in Bedford, PA. So we've got, I think there's like over 400 employees now. And um, Yeah, I see a lot of job postings for Curtsy. Mm -hmm. Well, Curtsy provides fresh food to pretty much... All your favorite restaurants. All the restaurants, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where it comes from. Yeah, it's we're like the grocery store for restaurants, but we bring the food to you. You don't have to go there mm -hmm. to get it. You yeah. can if you need to. So where did you go to school? I went to Syracuse University. Did you like it? Um, yeah, it was good. I spent a little more time there than I probably should have. How um, long? Well, uh, it would be about six and a half years. 
Uh-huh. Were you oh. <laughs> dip, dipping your hand in the different... different? Yeah, I changed my major like four times. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, on top of that, didn't declare a major at all until two years in. So there was a lot of um, credit and makeup that had to be done. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take a gap year and went to Colorado to be a ski bum in the middle of all that. So every college student's dream, I think. Yeah. yeah. To be a bum of some kind for yeah. a year. But just think of the life experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was amazing because I'm not going to say that I was the best student ever, but when I came back from that, I was super focused and I got everything done really quickly. So that really helped me uh figure my stuff out. Is this where you dabbled in woodworking and music? That's where I got into a little bit of music recording. Yeah. The woodworking came um the focus on woodworking came after I got back here full time, but uh, I've been doing that ever since I was a kid. Any um, great bands you've been in? No, never. Uh, I've tried many, many times to form or join bands, and man, as an adult, it's just super hard to get people together on a consistent basis to practice or do anything that they've fallen apart every time. Whoa. So I pretty much just play for myself, and every now and then um, somebody's around to hear it. <laughs> Do you do like open mic nights? Uh, no, man, no. No? Mm-mm. We gotta find you some. Would you say you were? We're gonna be hosting one at the Bastion called Sad Songs oh, and Spaghetti, go. and oh. uh, it's oh gonna have God. to be Sad Songs, and we're gonna be serving spaghetti. Okay, yes. I don't know exactly when this is gonna happen, but sometime in April. Okay. I'll keep you in the loop. Well, now I'm hungry. Just don't do it on a Wednesday night because... Well, we're not open Wednesday, so... Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be there. It will probably be a Friday or Saturday, um, and we're going to try and get either Erie Ale Works or maybe Lavery's to be over there and uh, serving beer and, yeah, just be like a happy hour, yeah. open mic, and spaghetti. I love it. Spaghetti. Now I'm really hungry. It's <laughs> yeah, dinner time. Where, where did right that idea come from? <laughs> uh, so my friend Dina, um, shameless plug for her, she's opening up a thing called the Parista Cat Cafe. If you don't know anything I've about heard it, of Parista Cat Cafe. They have a trivia night coming up. Yeah, March 11th. But she is going down to Savannah, Georgia in a couple of days. And um, she saw something like that there and sent it to me. And I was like, we're doing it. Yeah. You know, no questions asked. So that's where that came from. Cool. Can you bring your cat to Bastion Studios? I mean, they um, are inspirational, for me at least, from an artistic perspective. I mean, if you absolutely had to, I, I didn't write anything in our terms about <laughs> cats. I did say you're allowed to bring dogs, mm-hmm. so I, I shouldn't discriminate. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is a homeless cat colony behind the Bastion, though. No kidding. And there's a woman who comes every day and feeds them. They're like the well, official cats of Bastion. You won't have any mice problems. Uh <laughs> That was not true, but it is true now. <laughs> we've, we've taken care of the mice problem. <laughs> Just get a couple cats. A little, they'll be the bastions of the bastion. Oh, my mm. God. Mm-hmm. You could create, like, an Instagram account, you know, like Bodega Cats of Instagram or something, where they have the cats in the bodegas yeah. to, you know, deal with the rats or mice or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could have the bastion cats. Yeah. You could invite a couple of them in, and they'll just take care of keeping people uh, company when they're working on projects. Well, they do not like people. Oh, okay. Yeah. I My life goal is to pet one of these cats, and I've been at it for almost four years, and it just has not happened yet. Oh, Four years? And they've been, well, they probably, if, if they're, are they feral, and they're like... 
Yeah, they're feral, but they're, they get um, they get trapped every time there's a new one that comes in. They will trap them and take them and get them vaccinated and um, neutered or spayed and all that. And, and then, then they bring, bring them back. Bring them back. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do they let the people that feed them pet them? No. Yeah. No one touches. These no one. No one touches these cats. So my goal, I've tried this a couple times, um, just to get a chair, go out near them, and sit and wait for like hours. And then eventually they'll like start to get interested and come up. But then if you make a move, they run away. So if I do that enough times, maybe they'll just like mm-hmm. figure out I'm not very threatening and come all the way up. Are you a cat person? Uh, I have a cat. I, I like him. <laughs> I'm not usually that much of a cat person, but mm-hmm. I'm just so intrigued by these feral cats. By the feral cats. I just feel like they will never come to you. Oh, I'm sure they won't. Yeah. Never. And that it hurts me a little bit. I know, because you're a good person. Mm-hmm. You deserve attention from these cats. <laughs> but they're cruel, cruel creatures. Yeah, and I really... have too, and I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. Right, Jesse? I mean, I'm not wrong, right? No. Cats are cruel and wonderful. When did you start working with wood? Uh, I guess my earliest woodworking project was when I was like five. Uh, my dad was working on something. I think he was building uh, shelves for the garage. And I went down there, and, and he gave me a couple pieces of scrap wood and a hammer and some nails, and I nailed them all together. And I was like, look, I made a train. And he was like, that's awesome. So ever since then, I would sneak down there and use his power tools without him knowing or his permission. I never got hurt on them, though. He probably knew. I'm sure he knew because I never cleaned up after myself. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just, like, sawdust everywhere in the basement. Um, yeah, but... I never really made anything worth making until um, probably high school time. Middle school, yeah, because I took shop class in middle school, and I made some cool things there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's when it all, like, started coming together for me. Yeah, the napkin holder. Yeah. Bird that's house. what I made. The napkin You made holder. a birdhouse? Oh, yeah. Okay, Cutting board. Made a CD rack, which we now actually – I still have this CD rack, and we flipped it on its side, and we use it as a toilet paper holder in our bathroom. Perfect. Yeah. With – CDs in it? There are no CDs in it, no. (laughs) I don't have CDs anymore. I digitized and And just for the the listeners at home, uh, what is a CD? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised I still have that thing. I don't even know where it came from. We just found it one day. Mine was a piece of wood, like, you know, a square maybe, a rectangle. And then it had two dowels that came up on either side. Mm -hmm. And then a heart on that you would slide down on top of the dowels and you would put the napkins between it oh. so basically the heart slid on top to yeah. to hold them in place mm-hmm. i was very proud of that one that's a great project isn't it mm-hmm. you get to use you know the dowels you do get you to still drill have it holes. no i'm going to absolutely steal that and we're gonna have a napkin holder making workshop at the bastion and we're gonna do that exact design I will attend because clearly I can show everyone how to do it. Exactly. I'm, I'm the expert. We'll even give you a free pass because uh, I stole your idea. Okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I'll be there. She'll show up and just, so wait, this I'm isn't going my first rodeo. Sad sad <laughs> songs and spaghetti, mm-hmm. the napkin holder mm-hmm. project. I mean, I think I just It's going it. on at Bastion. It's happening. It, it is, is happening. happening. We've so, signed up for the next gallery night. There's things on the horizon. Good. So what's... So what's your vision for Bastion? The long-term goal is to do classes and workshops regularly, um, every other week, minimum every week, ideally. But we want to sort of become an alternative to art school for people. Our target is like kids coming out of high school or even kids coming out of college that don't have their studio space they're used to anymore, but want to continue learning 
um, that would be ideally what we want, is to be a, a, a place of learning and creativity. So how do you see Bastion fitting in with you know, all of the other arts organizations in Erie? Um, in, in what ways? Well, I'm saying very broadly, there's artists and there's an artist community mm-hmm. from woodworkers to musicians, you know, the, the, whole, the whole gamut there. And then you have organizations that are, do performing arts. And, you know, so how do you see Bastion fitting in? Do you think that there's partnerships in your future? Do you see um, education programs kind of going beyond the studio? You had mentioned high, kids coming out of high school, but mm-hmm. what about partnerships with local schools? And how can you get kids even out of middle school and high school? I think some schools don't even have shop class anymore. No, a lot of them don't. I'm not even sure if every does anymore. Um, so yeah, I would like to absolutely um, collaborate with some of these local organizations and schools. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely open to the conversations. I've been talking to the library about getting involved with their Idea Lab. Um, oh, neat, yeah. Because we have some of the same things that they have. We have a laser cutter and a 3D printer, and those are some of the things that they do. So. Um, coming together to teach classes uh, so they could benefit both of us mm-hmm. um, is something that we're definitely looking into doing. That's great. Yeah, a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful space, too. Just, I can imagine, it would be so cool to spend my time in a beautiful space like that. And it feels like it's for artists. It's made for people to to make the space something special. I'm assuming you've gotten to know some local artists and maybe the the art scene in Erie, um, have you noticed any other challenges they're facing that isn't being met by anyone? The biggest challenge, well, I'm not even sure if it's a challenge they're facing. One of the challenges I'm facing in working with them is a lot of times artists kind of work on their own schedule and, you know, they need what they need right when they need it, not necessarily in advance or anything. So, um, are you saying that artists aren't the best planners? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> well, it's because you never know when that creative mindset exactly. is going to hit. Yep. Um, and so a lot of times for them that happens when we're not necessarily at the bastion. Like it'll be at night or early in the morning, depending on their schedule. And, um, you know, if they're not already signed up, they're not going to be able to come in and get anything done right away. And so they're very on-demand folks. And... You know, I'm just trying to make sure that I accommodate them as best I can. What are your hours? Uh, noon to 8 every day except for Tuesday and Wednesday. And on the horizon, we will be open Tuesday and Wednesday. But for now, until we get another person in there, mm-hmm. that's what we're going with. And there's also a woman with a small office inside Bastion, correct? Yeah, so my wife uh, kicked me out of my office and took it over as her own office. Um, she does... Reiki and spiritual life coaching and um, just like ceremonies. I don't really know what for, but heal, heart healing and mm-hmm. herbalism, things like that. And she's very spiritual. So she, it's called Seeking Solace, um, S-O-U-L-A-C-E. And uh, yeah, she does that there. She's got clients all the time. Yeah. It smells wonderful. It smells wonderful in there. It's the best smelling room in the whole place. It smells great. Yep. There's always incense or sage or something being burned in that room. Mm -hmm. How much did she influence you when it came to preparing the walls and the rooms for for gallery? So she um, picked out all of the paint colors, but that was about as far as it went. Okay. 
and she bought the rug that's in the main room but we bought that for our house and found out it didn't work so i took it to the bastion instead well she did a fine job Mm -hmm. it's a nice rug and the colors (laughs) and the colors yeah they're, they're pretty good too yeah they're all period colors so we've got like billiards green and we've got this deep purple i don't know what you call it and then a lavender room and um Navajo white. Nothing's actual white. It's all a fancy white. Mm-hmm. Is mm. that is that the the room when you first walk in? Uh, the room when you first with the one with the big window in it. Yes. Uh, I don't remember what that color is, but that's more of like a tan color. I see. That's right. Oh my gosh. So, I would say anyone listening, go to Erie Bastion, uh, your Instagram channel. It's mm-hmm. got great photos of like the different rooms and if you are curious about what the floors look like in an 1850 house uh <laughs> and it looks like you've got the um the forge as well mm-hmm. you've got pictures of the forge and it's really really cool you should yeah. definitely check it out i've been doing my best to keep uh, that updated a couple times a week sometimes i slip up because i'm not a big fan of the social media but i'm working on it and i think i'm getting better it is one of the uh, things you kind of have to do mm-hmm. if you're uh, promoting a business these days. Especially a creative one. I feel like all of my potential clients are, um, or customers are on there, and that's where they share their artwork. So I need to really get yeah. involved with them. And just tell them to give you a plug. Yeah. That's right. Um, so how much of, in terms of the, the building restoration, how much of it are you trying to make period appropriate? You know, you've kind of brought it down to the bare walls and mm-hmm. you know the moldings and making sure that the electric's fine and but like as you continue continue a restoration so the the goal is to have the whole first floor looking like it did in the 1800s mm-hmm. um, the second and third floor will probably stay more modern but if we can get that first floor back into its old grandeur that would be awesome yeah um, going back to what was I doing before I came here Um, we picked up a chandelier that used to be in the Boston store and we are restoring it. So I was sanding off all the rust and picking out paint colors. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. That's on the Instagram. That's on my Instagram. Yeah. That is incredible. So you got that from the Boston store. Well, I got it from somebody who got it from the, um, what's it called? The Riverside. And because they bought it from the Boston store, but then they were never able to hang it up. And so this person bought it, but it wouldn't fit in her house. So she put it on Craigslist. And like I said, I love Craigslist. I'm on that thing all the time. (laughs) Fascinating. Oh, -hmm. that's great. So you have a really interesting piece of Erie history in there Mm -hmm. and the building itself. I love that old Erie on foot, the gal that that writes about all the the historic homes and buildings here in Erie. Do you know who that is? Yeah, she came in. I gave her a tour um, a couple weeks ago. And then she wrote an article for the Erie Reader that we were in. Uh, this the one that's out currently. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved the place. She wants to come back of and, and you know see how it keeps getting better and better. Yeah, it just was so sad to see it with that big horrible awning yeah, I know. on I it for so long. It just looked like medical supplies. It was like this is just the wrong. Mm-hmm. It is the wrong combo. Um, it was a medical supplies place. It was an office supplies place. Office supplies. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Either way, it was supplies. Mm-hmm. It was the wrong use of a building like that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds boring. So who, boring. Who needs office supplies? <laughs> and it's a very unique home in general. You know, the, you don't see a lot of other um, historic homes in our area that look like that. Mm-hmm. The tall, like they're, it's kind of taller and skinnier. 
and it has a wonderful roof that yeah. curves up at the top that always reminds me of 101 Dalmatians. The, the, the old, the one in the vault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The house they live in in London. What is it called? Like, what's the architectural style? It's uh, called Second Empire Architecture. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know much about it except for the, that curved roof with the um, fish scale slate tiles mm -hmm. are common. And then there's like cresting on the top, which is the little uh, wrought iron gate looking yes, thing that's yeah. up there. Mostly brick with really big windows. Well, I'm sure like the historical society is yeah. really uh, thankful that you moved in and, and made it such a great resource for the community get some use out of it. Yeah, one of the guys um, came to my opening and he was talking to me about it for a while. He was really excited that it was not being torn down because Hallman, um, from what I understand, tried to buy it and they were going to tear it down. And so the sellers told them no. Good. Which worked for me. That did work for you. Yeah. You know, you got to stand up for for history. You don't need another parking lot. Right. Downtown Erie. <laughs> Chevrolets. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Is there anything else? Yeah, is there anything to... else you wanted to mention on that? Podcast? Any calls to action? Um, yeah, I need to work on my call to action. I guess uh, if you're interested in learning a new artistic skill or getting involved with a community of people that might know some things about what you're interested in, um, we would be a great place to stop by and check out. Are you, what What about someone who is thinks they might be interested in trying an art? Um, well, yeah, so right now, uh, since it's just me and Grant and we don't have any workshops scheduled, I'm more than happy to give someone a crash course on some woodworking until we get a, a course schedule planned out um, or some blacksmithing, although I'm just learning that myself. Um, but yeah, we're, we're like a playground. So if you want to come figure out how to do stuff, come and figure it out. So where can someone find more information to keep an eye on your schedule and news about uh, courses as they come out? So um, most of that stuff is going to be through Facebook, although we're working on redesigning our website. So all of my website and social media is Erie Bastion. So eriebastion.com, Facebook slash Erie Bastion, Instagram slash Erie Bastion, all that stuff. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. This thank has you. been really great having you and learning about Bastion. It's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, even though I have a podcast studio, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. So thank you for having me. And here's Forrest Taylor with his biweekly review. He's going to review The Invisible Man. Hey, this is Forrest Taylor, writer for The Eerie Reader again with another film review. Uh, this week I am talking about The Invisible Man, the new remake of the H.G. Wells classic, a story that uh, ever since it was first written seems ripe for metaphor and uh, interpretation. Uh, and director Lee Winnell takes a new interesting uh, spin on the classic story by turning The Invisible Man into a metaphor for domestic abuse and almost for, like, gaslighting. Um, it's kind of horrifying watching a woman slowly succumb to a threat that nobody else can see but her. And like before, it's very, very ripe for metaphor and symbolism. Uh, the film stars Elizabeth Moss as a woman who uh, escapes from an abusive relationship with a brilliant optic scientist only for a few weeks later to find out that he died by apparent suicide, leaving her with his fortune. Uh, but of course, she knows that uh, that's, that's too good to be true. And sure enough, she starts getting terrorized by some unseen entity who she is convinced is her old flame who has learned to turn himself invisible. But how can she convince anybody else? Uh, Elizabeth Moss, who gave one of the best performances last year with her smell, uh, once again gives an incredible performance uh, in this as a woman who knows that she 
is not crazy, but it's hard to convince anybody else uh, that she's not just losing her mind. I'm happy to report that at no point do we ever doubt the main character's sanity. We know everything that's happening to her is real. Thank goodness for that. Um, it's just a question of getting the other characters and the idea of somebody knowing that they're not losing their mind, but everyone else is convinced that um, that's not the case is very terrifying and anxiety-inducing. Uh, the film does a great job using the Invisible Man trope for this sort of um, metaphor for domestic abuse. Unfortunately, the only complaint I can give is at the ending, uh, where it goes a little too twisty and turny to end up in a conclusion that is pretty much already there. It's just a conclusion with a, a long fuse, so to speak. Uh, besides that, uh, The Invisible Man is a surprisingly terrifying and uh, pertinent story in this day and age. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge, Harriet Dyer, and Oliver Jackson Cohen as the aforementioned Invisible Man. Uh, it's rated R and is currently playing at Tinseltown. So, once again, this has been Forrest Taylor for The Eerie Reader with another film review. All right, well, that's been our episode. You can buy tickets for Knives Out and the rest of our 2020 programming at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Next week's guest will be Corey Cook, founder and director at Life Through Music, musician, and member of the Board of Trustees at Foundation for Erie's Public Schools. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this is Film Grain. <laughs>